who was um, helping out with the carols last week, or if you just were able to come along to the carols last week. It was just an awesome night, last Sunday night. Um, we had quite a lot of visitors, a lot of people coming through. Big thanks to particularly to those guys doing food, like Ray and June and others, because it was really big. A lot of people eating at the same time, so it was really busy. But thank you so much. It was, it was just a really awesome night. Um, and just as well, just to thank you on behalf of, just from me and, um, and Tam, just, just for this year. This has been my first year here. Um, in this role, and, and everyone's just been so supportive and just encouraging and, and kind, and it's just been really nice, and I'm having a few weeks off next week, so I'm <laughs> excited about that, which will be really good as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to share with you guys today. Um, we've been sitting in this idea of Advent for December, which is really cool, kind of building up towards Christmas, and it's, um, it's kind of different this year with where, where Christmas is on the Monday, so it's, we're here today, it's like the last Sunday of Advent today, and then Christmas is right, right the next day, so we're like right on the edge, right there, you might have some last minute stuff to do today, sort of running around and, um, and getting all ready for tomorrow. And we've been talking with Advent about this idea of it's, it's about this looking forward this waiting, this expectation of Jesus coming. And that, that we celebrate this each year, but each year it's not just about his first coming, but it's about his coming each day and waiting and looking for him. And it's also about waiting and looking for his coming at the end of the age when Jesus will actually come and fulfill everything and set everything right and God's plan and purpose will be complete. That we're actually still in this story, that, it's, that it isn't finished, that it's still going and we're looking for his coming. But waiting right, is not something that people like to do. Like, waiting is quite difficult. Um, and, and it seems like as sort of our society grows and technology progresses, we have to wait less and less. And I suppose the sort of consequence of that is you kind of get worse at waiting, or another word for that is you get really impatient. Um, and and these this things that happened like before that I was born, when people had to wait for things a lot longer, like taking photos, Right? You'd have to, my dad was telling me about this a while ago. Like, if you wanted a photo of something, you'd have to take a photo, and you'd have to go into a dark room, and you'd have to develop it, you'd have to wait for it. And then, like, this amazing invention comes out. Can you just click on the, um, that one, Deb, and then I should be able to click through? Still no good. Can you see, is there another one there, Will? Another click up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this invention comes out. This is like, this is like almost 100 years old, like a Polaroid camera. But this would have been like revolutionary. Thanks. That's great. Um, still no good. Okay, that's all right. All right. I'll just have to tell, talk through. That's okay. Um, like, like, so you can take a photo now, right? And it just um, is there straight away. Like it just develops. It comes out just like that. And now, though, as you're aware, like, everyone has phones in their pocket. Everyone can video anything, and they can send it to people right away, and it's there straight away. And as a sort of result of that, we have all this technology. If something takes more than a few seconds, it's easy to get pretty frustrated and pretty annoyed. I was just reading an article on some research done around this. This was like 2013, and this was just an article, so just take this with a grain of salt. But this is what this person said in terms of like, people's patience and technology. They've said this, we've come to expect things so quickly that researchers found that people can't wait more than a few seconds for a video to load. So if you like looking up YouTube or something like that, this researcher was a computer scientist. He looked at the viewing habits of over six million people and was looking how long were people willing to be patient for a video. I don't know how many seconds you think 
what they found out was about two seconds. After that, people started bailing. They started abandoning. After five seconds, the abandonment rate is about 25%. So it takes five seconds, a quarter of the people, too long. After 10 seconds, half of them are gone. So only half the people watching would wait more than 10 seconds. He said that the result is an offer, is a glimpse into the future. He says as internet speeds increase, people will be even less willing to wait for that cute puppy video. The person who spent years developing the study, he worries that someday people will be too impatient to conduct studies on patients. It'll take too long. <laughs> so, and that's kind of like, it's kind of like that. You probably maybe experienced that, like something in your computer, you just want it to happen now, and it's just frustrating because it should be faster, and it's difficult, right? And that's like seconds. And it's interesting because we're talking about waiting for Christ. We're talking about waiting, and, and, and just this idea of waiting in the Bible is a massive idea. But people, when they wait in the Bible... They didn't wait for seconds or years. They were waiting for decades. Like they were waiting for long periods of time. But this is difficult. If you want to switch to the next one, it's like it's it's just not enjoyable. It's hard. And and the idea of waiting for decades or waiting long periods of time. How do we do that? And I sort of want to speak into that a little bit from this story of Anna and and Simeon that John read out before. And um, there's people here that have done that, right? Like you guys have been Christians for decades. And you've, you've been faithful and, and patient and endured with the Lord. And I hope that this will just be an encouragement to keep doing that. And there's others of us, like myself, and others that are younger, and, and we need to be prepared to go that distance. So we're going to look at this, this, these two people, so Simeon and Anna, which are really interesting people because they're kind of like around the Christmas story, but they're often not really talked about. It is, this is after Jesus has been born, but he's still a baby. But I think these, these two characters that are kind of minor characters... And there's only a little bit said about them, but there's, there's a whole lot of inspiration that can come from their lives as well. So I'm going to, let's, let's sort of just read through the story again. And I'm going to sort of talk through it a little bit. And then I think I have like a bit of an idea as to how they were able to endure this long. How they were able to, to be patient and faithful for decades. So let's just read through again and I'll, and I'll make some comments as we go. So when the time came for purification rites required by the law of Moses... Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. So this is just a reminder even that, that Mary and Joseph were like people who were devoted to God. They, they were following him. They were in the old covenant. They were following the law. They were being faithful to him. And part of that was, was offering their firstborn child. So they were in the temple in Jerusalem. So you can try and picture it. It's this, this teenage couple, this little baby, heaps of hustle and bustle, the Tunans will know what it's like. They're just there. So they've already got a different picture of it, which is cool. Um, and, and it's just this, this place, right? There'd just be people, and they would have just looked like normal people doing something very, very normal. They're offering sacrifice, keeping the law of the Lord. If you go to the next one, there's this guy, though, and, and he sees that something's different because he's been looking for something. He's been waiting for it. It says this, there was this man in Jerusalem called Simeon, and he was righteous and devout. So again, this is a man who's, who's lived a life dedicated to God, faithful to his law, seeking him. He was waiting. He's a waiter. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for God to come back and redeem Israel. This is meant to be God's people. It's meant to be the light to the world. They're not meant to be in slavery. They're not meant to be under Roman rule. He's waiting for the promise. And the Holy Spirit was on him. So he knew, he knew the Spirit of God. God he was close 
to God. And God had told him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. So he'd had this promise, right? And he was waiting for it. And it doesn't actually say that, that, that Simeon is, is old, but as we read before, like you see that he's at, it seems like he's close to dying. So there's a good chance that he's quite old. And it also doesn't say how long before this God gave him the promise that he would see the Savior. It was probably more than two seconds, right? Probably more than 10 seconds. It's probably, I have a feeling it's probably decades. There's probably a good chance of that. So he's had this promise and he's been waiting and he's been looking. And then now it's the day. There's moved by the Spirit. God brings him to the temple courts when it's just this normal day, normal people, all this sort of things happening. But when the parents brought this child to Jesus, to do what the customer law required, Simeon saw this child and saw something different and starts to praise God. And this is, this is what he says when he starts to praise God. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. This is an amazing thing really, right? So this is just a man who's lived a life of dedication to God. He's, he's probably quite old. He's been waiting for this promise. He sees this baby and then says, okay, I'm good to go. That's it, I've seen, and that's enough. I guess it's a profound thing. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation, that Jesus is God's salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations. And he even has insight into God's big picture plan, that it's not just about Israel, but it's about all the nations and all the earth. He says, it's a light for revelation to the Gentiles, to those who aren't from Israel, and the glory of your people Israel. So this, this man has been waiting for this promise and sees the fulfillment. It says these amazing things. And Mary and Joseph are in awe of this, right? Like the, another person recognizes this child. Another person speaks about the wonder of this child. But like Wes was saying before, like this is not the end. Like it, the salvation is here, but it's just starting and it's going to be hard. So Simeon prophesies about the difficulty to come. This is what he says. Simeon blessed them. And said to his mo- Mary's mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. He's saying that, that this, this Savior who's here, it's, it's not going to be just easy now. This is actually going to be difficult. That this person, Jesus, is actually going to be a person that people oppose. He's going to be divisive. People, what's in people's hearts and their rebellion against God or their desire to know God is going to be revealed. And more than that, Mary is going to suffer greatly as she sees her own son crucified. So, so he's been waiting, right? But, and his, Simeon's kind of part is winding up, but the story is still going and there's still a whole lot more that needs to happen. Then there's this other character, Anna. And again, she's kind of similar to, to Simeon in that it actually says that she's very old. So she, she, and, and you can see that she's lived a life that, that's been full of heartache and suffering, perhaps loneliness. It says there was a prophet Anna of the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. She'd lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow until she was 84. This is kind of Anna's backstory. It's so interesting that Luke, who's writing this, like, gives an insight into her life, that, into the difficulty of her life. That, that she didn't get remarried. She didn't, she maybe she didn't have any kids. For, for most people would probably look at her and think she's a nobody. But she's spent her life 
dedicated to God, waiting, seeking Him. She never left the temple but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. And again, we get an insight into the character of this lady that she's spent this whole life waiting, devoted to God. And then when He comes, this is her response. It says, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Like she's there at that moment that Simeon's declaring who Jesus is, and, and she's had a difficult life, right? But she's, she's not bitter, she's not angry, she's not complaining, she's right there ready, and the moment she's praising God, rejoicing God. These two characters are like real examples of, of steadfastness and faithfulness and devotion and waiting. But if you were to kind of look at their lives, or if you kind of to judge their lives by maybe the standard of our culture or kind of um, the, the way we often think about like a good life or, or sort of a meaningful life, their lives don't really look that amazing, right? It doesn't seem like Simeon achieved anything amazing. For Anna, most people would probably look at her life and see her as a failure, to not even have kids, not to have a husband. And, and it looks like their lives are just kind of full of difficulty and they're kind of just insignificant. Like, how could they have the lives that they have yet have the steadfastness and the patience and the faithfulness and the devotion to God? I think there's an insight that, that they might have had that sometimes we can lose that enabled them to wait and hold on to God. I want to just share like a little illustration with you and then I'm going to go back and sort of talk into what I think that might have been. I saw this movie... Um, this year that, that was really interesting. It's just a sci-fi movie and I, and I kind of went to see it and I, I was really excited about it and um, I was kind of a bit let down. Like I kind of didn't get it. And then the next day I started to get it and this movie is, is different to other movies. Like most movies, right, are about a character who gets caught up into a grand story. Like there's this amazing stuff going on in the world that they didn't realize, they didn't know about. Like in Star Wars, it's Luke Skywalker, he's just doing his stuff, then he realizes this big battle, there's these amazing things going on, right? And they, they sort of get brought into this grand narrative, this amazing story. And then often the main character in the story realizes this, or like, like in The Hobbit, um, or Lord of the Rings, like it's, there's so many movies that have this sort of plot line. And then they realize that actually, they're in this grand narrative, they're in this amazing story, and they're actually the savior. They're, they're the hero. They need to actually save the day. And often, if this even involves some kind of sacrifice. This is even true of the Lego movie. That, that's, this happens the same sort of plot line in that movie as well. It's like in a lot of movies. And they realize that there's often some sort of self-sacrifice that's required. There's often some sort of resurrection. And there's some sort of like, um, culmination to everything. It's like a really common plot line. And it's so interesting because it, it follows the plot line of Scripture and the plot line of Jesus, the, the true Savior. But this movie was different. This movie started off with a guy, and it started off similar, that, that he was kind of just going about his day-to-day -day job, doing his things, and then something strange happened. It, it sort of was a hint that there's something bigger going on, and he starts to realize that there's this, this, this grand narrative. There's this story, there's this world that he wasn't aware of, and in this world that there's a special chosen person to save. And he starts finding out about this special chosen person, this sort of miraculous person. And he starts to see all these clues that point to the fact that it's him, which is this, this often the plot line, right? The, 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 this person gets caught up and they realize they're the hero. And he starts to realize this. And eventually he comes to the point where he accepts this, that, that he is actually the savior who, who is to rescue 
his people. But the story keeps going on, and, and, and after a while, it's sort of like, you'd think it'd really build, like, you know, like the character realizes that the savior would be this big tension, this big build, but it kind of just goes along like normal, and eventually, he realizes he's not. He's actually not. And there's actually all these other people that think that they're the savior as well, and they're not. And it's, it's this weird sort of change, but the truth is there is still a hero in the story, there is still a savior in the story, and he realizes who that is, and he kind of lets go of, 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 of this desire for him to be the savior, and he finds his place in contributing to the story of the true hero, in the story of the true savior. And it's, it's so interesting. Basically, the way to think of it is like, like most movies, right, actually follow the, the plot of the main character, the main hero. This movie is like, it follows, the main character in the movie is someone who doesn't matter in the big story. Like, they're just, a, just, he's just a guy. It's like Star Wars and you're just like following a stormtrooper or Lord of the Rings and you're just following like one of the guys in the army. It's like, they're not actually, he's not actually the main character in the big story, but when he realizes that, he actually finds his place in the big story and actually finds all this significance in being able to contribute towards the true hero and what's truly going on in the world, but it's not about him. And I think this is even something that you can see in Simeon and Anna, they're not living these amazing lives where they're the hero, where they're going to save, where they're going to make everything happen. But that's because they realize it's not about them. They're looking for the true hero, the true savior, and they're playing their part in that story. This is what one um, author, um, John Ortberg, said about um, Simeon. So after Simeon's been told he's going to see the savior, so what was Simeon doing with his life in the meantime? He was waiting. He was waiting for the hope of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. He didn't lead a movement. He didn't form a community, build a resume, or accomplish a bunch of great things. He watched, he prayed. He was doing something awesome that he may not have understood. He was keeping hope alive. It's as if Simeon was saying, I believe God is doing something wonderful in this world, and I want to see it. He's, he's aware, it's, it's something that's big that's happening, but he's not at the center of it. I believe there's something tremendous going on and God is the one behind it and I want to watch it and I would love to somehow participate in it to be a part of it. That is waiting because it's God's kingdom, not ours. We are not in control, so we are, are all in the waiting business. We are to remain faithful and patient even as we do not have what we want yet. I think Simeon knew this right. And he was looking and waiting for this, this, this savior, this hero that's outside of himself, this bigger picture. And for him then to just wait and keep hope alive and then to just glimpse him is so significant. Like he looks insignificant, but when he finds his significance in Jesus' story, any little contribution, any little part to play in that story is hugely significant. And this is, this is sort of what I think can help us to remember and in order to wait, is to realize that the, the grand narrative, right, is not about me. Like, that I'm not the center, we're not the center, we're not the main character in the story of history. We're, we're not the, 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 the be-all and end-all. And, and sometimes when we're impatient, I think that's kind of what it is. We kind of want everything to, to gratify our desires right now. Everything needs to sort of come and fulfill us right now. Everything needs to be and it's centered around ourselves. 
But the way to wait is to remember, actually, I'm not at the center. It's all about him. He's at the center. Jesus is the main character, and we can find our place in his story. And then any place in his story, right, that's following him, that's, that's pointing people to him. And Jesus even says this, even doing the smallest acts in his name are incredibly significant. Not because it's about us, but because it's about him. Because it's, because it's what he's doing. And because it's about him, because he's the main character waiting for him, makes perfect sense. You can't go on without him. If he's the main character, if he's the center, we can't do anything without him. And th- I think this is a way that we can um, keep that focus in order to, to wait. That, that actually, in a sense, right, we're all just, just people. There's like, there's heaps of people in the world, right? And the, the idea that we're at the center of it is just, it just doesn't work. Even churches, right? There's, there's heaps of churches in the world. There's heaps of churches in this area. If we start to think we're rivers, we're going to save this, this area, we're going to save Australia, it's all about us. Like, no, it's, it's not about us. Right, we're just a church. We're just people. But it's all about Jesus, and Jesus is in us, and Jesus is here, and we're actually part of Jesus' story, and we're actually contributing to his vision, his kingdom, so it's incredibly significant. Right, but it's for him, and it's with him. And I think this sort of mindset, this sort of vision, gives, can, can give way to a life that could be lived of decades of waiting and looking to him. This is what Mike Bickle says about this. And, and like I said, some of you have done that, and I hope that this is a real encouragement to you. He says, radical Christianity is not going on a mission trip or a big conference. Good. Those things are still good, though. He says, radical Christianity is staying steady for decades. And I, and I think that's going to be even more and more relevant in our society now, to have that sort of steadfastness that just goes, just holds on, and just waits. And, and some of you have done that. And, and um, I'm just going to give you some takeaways to take away from today as well. If, you, if you've done that, if that's your life, that you've been faithful, I just encourage you today to keep going, to keep holding on all the way to the end, like Simeon and like Anna, and be an example of perseverance, being an example of waiting. And, and even like Anna, being someone who just prays and fasts and worships God is incredibly significant, not because praying and fasting and, and, and singing songs is amazing, but because it's about Jesus. Because it's talking to Jesus, it's worshiping Jesus. It, it's Him that makes it significant. And it, if 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 we've still got decades to go, if we're still starting this journey, we we need to to set our focus on this grand story, and actually like gear up to go for decades, to 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 hold on and to be faithful for the long haul, to be like to have a vision of being like Anna and Simeon, even while we're young, to be looking forward like that. And then this is just a bit of a fun one, maybe something you can do this week as a takeaway. If your technology doesn't work, when you're frustrated, even use that as a sign to remember, it's, it's not about me. The world doesn't revolve around me. I'm not the center, but there is a center. There is someone who it does revolve around. There is a hero, and it's Jesus, and he has an amazing story, and we're still in it. And we look to the day when he will actually complete it, when he will actually return. And any part we get to play in that story is incredibly significant. So as we sort of have Christmas, as we sort of finish up this sort of season of expectation, we need to be people that keep waiting, 
that, that we're people that actually, that's, that's who we are. We're people who wait for Jesus. Not people who sit around and do nothing. We're, we're faithful to him like Anna and Simeon. We're devoted to him. And, and we fulfill our, our, each of our individual callings, which are special and incredibly significant. But we wait for him. We wait for his coming. We look for him all the time. So maybe if you guys want to hop back up, maybe the band wants to hop back up. And Dave's just going to come and pray. Um, into that and then we're going to um, sing to finish sing an awesome song about waiting which will be really good for those who wait upon the Lord those who hope in the Lord those who express their faith and trust in the Lord shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint. Oh God, how often it is that we lose our patience. How often it is that we do not persevere in steadiness for decades. How often it is, dear God, that we demand that you perform in the ways that we expect and how often it is, dear God, that we put ourselves at the center. We put ourselves at the forefront. And for all those things that we do that run ahead of you and put ourselves at the forefront, we say sorry. We ask your, for your forgiveness, our Father, and we repent of those things Father, help us to be people who wait, who persevere, who express faith in you no matter what the timeline looks like. For we know you have invited us into your story and we thank you that we are those parts that make up the whole. We are those ones that are part of that massive jigsaw puzzle that you are making that will end in a glorious picture, will end in a glorious culmination of history, will end in the kingship of Jesus over his kingdom. And oh God, I pray over this church that you would empower us to be people who focus on Jesus, who fix our eyes on Him and Him alone, who run with endurance the race that is set before us, who hope, who wait, who have faith and are faithful, faithful to Your Word, faithful to You. And I pray over every single person this Christmas time, that the anticipation and expectation of the coming of Jesus would be enlivened, would be set on fire again, would be, oh God, white hot, that we would be a people, dear God, who are ones who are known to be seeking after the one true God. And when the world comes against us, that we wouldn't fall back, 
that we, being full of the Holy Spirit as Simeon was, would continue to stand and wait. Thank You. Thank You, Father, that You have called us. We want to fulfil the call. We want to be faithful to the call. We want to be faithful to You. In Jesus' name.